Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Attenshire, and making his triumphant return to the podcast is none other than Jordan Climack. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Uh, doing well. Good to be back. I feel like it's been a while. It, it, it seems like it's been a while, man, but it's good to be back with you. Good to be back on the rebuild. Let, let's let's do it, man. I'm ready. A couple weeks feels like an eternity. Yeah, you know, I, it does. I, I, I recorded a little bit here and there, but honestly, you know, a lot of Cavs basketball, uh, you know, yeah. I took a little bit of a break. Uh, you know, I, I did some some draft watching and stuff, mostly of the receivers, just because that's fun stuff to watch. But I'll, I'll get into it a lot more here now that the offseason is is getting into full swing. But I don't know, man, there's some Browns headlines and stuff, but I was I was getting a little tired of it, to be honest. So did you do any soul searching <laughs> in your time away? Uh, not as much as I think, uh, Baker Mayfield seems to be doing in this last yeah. week, Jordan, this he's, uh, <laughs> he's now off of social media. I don't know. I just like, I, I you can only, you can only talk so much, uh, about all of this Baker stuff, but I mean, there was the, the surgery and then people were weirdly chiming in about his video after the surgery, which I didn't put a lot of stock into, but then, you know, back and forth, Dustin Fox, now he's off of social media, I, so I'll ask you, do you have any thoughts on what's happened with the Baker situation this last couple of weeks? Has this changed anything for you at all? I, sadly, it hasn't changed anything. If anything, it's just like further, you know, pushed along what I've been believing all year. And that's like, there's some sort of discontent with him in within this organization. I don't know, man. It's just, it's so, it's very, it's so 2019 again, all over again, where like every single day, what seemed like for like two weeks, we were getting a new beef. Baker was saying this, he was doing that. He was on Twitter liking this. He was on Instagram saying that, like, it's just, it's just a lot of, um, you know, a lot of nonsense. It's, it's, it's high school stuff. Uh, and then, you know, going on Instagram to announce that you're leaving social media, like who cares, man, just go like no one would, if we, if we didn't see a Baker tweet for three weeks, nobody would have even noticed to be honest with you. So like, just go, I don't know. It's, it's childish stuff, Henry. It's just, it goes back to, the whole kind of mantra of the season. And that was like, guys, you know, this locker room, not being, being together, guys doing things on their own, saying this, it's, it's a lot of me, me, me. And yeah, it kind of just, it, it's ridiculous that I can sit here and say that like this had some sort of effect on me. But like I said, it just kind of furthered, it, it was an, almost an extension of the season, right? Like this could have, like we're in the off season now, like let's reset, get ready for next year. But like everything that's going on right now still seems like very much this year. It does. And, and for me, the biggest thing is, you know, Baker Mayfield in general, I think, you know, for the most part has been rather likable as a Browns fan over these last three or four years. Like ultimately, do I think this, you know, these antics, uh, you know, like the social media type stuff going back and forth with Dustin Fox or, you know, liking his tweet or whatever. I know he didn't actually go back and forth with them, but does all of that matter as far as a quarterback winning football games? Like ultimately, no, like there are quarterbacks that do that kind of stuff that have rabbit ears that are successful, right? Like Aaron Rodgers, we all know, uh, you know, uh, the way he's behaved this season and he's not the only one by any means, like there are quarterbacks that use this stuff for fuel and whatever, like, and it, and it works. I just don't want that to be my quarterback as a fan. Like say, you know, as much as we try to analyze the game and all that, like at the end of the day, I root for the Browns and it's a bummer when, when the guy you're rooting for is not that likable. 
right? Like, it's why I don't want the Browns to trade for Deshaun Watson. Like, Deshaun Watson's a great football player. I don't really want to have to root for Deshaun Watson. And Baker, for the most part, over the last couple of years, has been somebody I've wanted to root for. And, and I still am, uh, especially because of, of what it means for the Browns. But it's just not, not as much as I used to be. It's getting a little on my nerves, you know? Yeah, like I said, like very 2019, like it was hard mm-hmm. to like Baker in 2019. And, and that's and last year it was it was very easy to right? like in press conferences, saying the right thing. Like every time he was behind the mic, it was like he was funny. Like you could laugh with him when he would say like, you know, last year, remember, he was dropping like lyrics in every press conference, dropping like office quotes, doing things like that. Like it was fun. Mm-hmm. You could laugh with it. We were winning. This year, it gets old really quick when you're losing football games and doing things to help your team lose football games. And, and that's kind of where we are. And you mentioned the keyword, which is winning. Like when you're winning, the like the brash, cocky, you know, personality yeah. like works really well. And when you're losing, not so much. Like I, I remember Baker's rookie year, the, the I woke up feeling dangerous quote. Like I bought my dad a T-shirt with that quote on it. because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's fantastic, right? And the Browns were winning and it was great. And then you mentioned it, 2019 – all of a sudden the the press conferences aren't so cool because the team's losing. And then last year they're winning again. So it's cool. Like if, uh, if he took the same press conference in 2020, where he's like talking about, you know, if he's dropping lyrics into press conferences, like he, he did that after a loss, uh, you know, against the Ravens where they, you know, they only scored 10 points or whatever. Like it probably wouldn't have seemed so cool. And, and, and I think that's really, it's like if the Browns win football games, like all this will go away. And, and if they lose them, that, then it'll just keep snowballing. And, like, the fact of the matter is, too, like, I, you know, like, I see these tweets and, like, Brown's Twitter, like, it's so, it's like Armageddon still with, with Brown's Twitter where, you know, you some, some people are just ride oh, or die God, for yeah. Baker. And then, and, then, and then you have the extreme opposite, right, where it's like some people think he's, like, the worst quarterback in the league. And it, it's just hard to, to process all of that. And, like, I get it, too, where, like, you know, a lot of Twitter is like, why are we overanalyzing everything this guy says or does? or a video that he posts. And like, I've had those moments, Henry, where I look back and I'm like, well, that's a great question. Like, why are we? But then I think about it a little bit more and it's like, cause he's doing it and he's giving you a reason to. And so it's like hard to, cause I think it's ridiculous too, right? Like you sit down in a post-surgery video, be like, Hmm, should this have been 90 seconds long? You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous. But at the end of the day, it's what he's doing. And we have to sit here and talk about it. Well, and I think part of the reason they're overanalyzing it is is what you brought up, is that there is there is a group of people far on one side, far on the other side, who are both looking for their points. And then I think there's a more rational fan, fan frankly, in the middle, who, who's, who's stuck, much like I think you and I are, where it's like, okay, is this the guy? And like when you're stuck in limbo like that, like it's the worst spot to be as a fan, right? Because it's like, okay, if we don't have the guy – the whole focus is how do we get the guy right draft free agency? Like what are our options? Or if you have the guy, you know, all your problems are solved for the most part as a franchise, right? Like we're seeing those type of teams, you know, that are still left in the playoffs. And right now we're in limbo and just like trying to latch on to anything that's going to give us clarity, which ultimately we probably won't get until he plays another season next year and maybe not even after then but at least that's how I feel right now. It's like part of the reason I'm analyzing so much. I'm like, okay, is this, is this a anti-Baker thing? Is this a pro-Baker thing? Like, I feel like I have to judge everything and put them in one column or the other. Yeah, no, I get It's almost like a pros and cons list, right? Like, it, where it's like, all right, he, this is good. This is bad. Like, because that's what you said. Like, we're still trying to figure out if he's the guy. But then, like, like as you were saying that, Henry, I was thinking to myself, like, I agree with you that, like, that 
that's probably why we dive so deep into everything this guy does is because he's like, I want you to be the guy, but are you? I don't know. And this is the constant question that we always have. But And then I look back on it. It's like, we're going into year five of this. If you don't have an answer by then, I don't think you have an answer. You know, that's the thing that's always in the back of my mind about this. Well, well, maybe you do have the answer. It's just not the answer you want, right? Like they're not yeah. the track record of guys, you know, going into that fifth year option and turning into franchise quarterbacks isn't exactly stellar. No, it's almost like, it's almost improbable. So like, it's like at a certain point, you just are who you are. Right. And like, I think it's just, I, I guess the good thing is too, if you're kind of just going by history, right? Like look, rookie year, good Baker, second year, bad Baker, third year, good Baker, fourth year, bad Baker. Like, does that automatically mean that we're in store for good Baker in year five? But then like, what do you do with that at the end of the day, if that's the case? Yeah. And I, and I brought this up on a previous podcast. I think the worst situation, honestly, for Browns fans, and and frankly, I think a pretty likely situation is Baker plays bet. You know, he's healthy next year and he plays marginally better than he did this year. Well, the rest of the roster is pretty damn good. So like, if he plays even like, as like the, 15th to 18th best quarterback in the league next year. Like it seems probably in the playoffs, but like, and then what, like if he's the 17th best quarterback in the league next year, but you win 10 games or 11 games and make the playoffs. It's like, okay, now what? Because like, are we going to franchise tag Baker? Are we really going to give him $40 million? Like, I don't know. So I, you know, I I almost hope it goes one way or the other, like uh, where we have a clean break after this year, it's either, Hey, this is great. He's the guy, you know, he wants multiple playoff games, whatever, or, or it's like, okay, time to move on. Yeah. That's like, I'll tell you what, like, I don't envy um, the position of like an Andrew Barry or the deep desk for the guys in the front office, because if that's the case. It's going to be a really, really tough call to make Henry. But I think at the end of the day, we can at least look at it and be like, I trust Andrew Barry, super smart guy. I think he makes the right decision at the end of the day. And I kind of trust that front office to kind of follow that same path as Andrew Barry. So I guess that's like the silver lining in it. But yeah, like you said, like that's such a tough decision to make. And I don't want to be in that position to do it. But like at the same time, it's not like I'm rooting for the Browns to not be good. You know what I mean? So exactly. it, it, it's, it's going to be really weird territory next year. But hey, I'm here for it, I guess. Well, and, and here's the other option, Jordan, is to even let it get to that point. And there's definitely, as you brought up, a, a section of Browns fans that are saying, hey, we should be looking for an upgrade now, today. This roster is, you know, this roster is playoff caliber. I, you know, I think when you watch the playoff teams, at least when I do, I look at them and I say, our roster's just as good, if not better, across the board than a lot of the teams, you know, frankly, than all the teams that are left in the playoffs right now, the, the, the difference is at quarterback, you know, outside of maybe San Francisco. So, you know, that's the other option. You know, do you – let me ask you this. Actually, let me phrase it like this. Is there a quarterback that, you know, uh, could potentially be available that you would consider bringing in, you know, to, you know, either compete with Baker Mayfield or straight up take the job from him? Uh, I, I would just say no to any – like, look, I just – you know, kind of being around the team, being around people who are around that team and kind of just, you know, get the philosophies of people and kind of the pulse of the locker room, even though it's a little bit difficult in the past two years with, you know, not having the access to the locker room. But I just don't see any scenario where the Browns bring in someone to compete with Baker next year. Um, 
you know, I just, I think that if they're going to bring in someone new, I think he's not on the team next year. I don't think mm -hmm. it's healthy. I don't think it's con conducive to success to, you know, bring in another guy and say like, Hey, cause that's like, you, you know, you're going to come out and say all this stuff of like, Hey, he's still our guy. We expect him to be a lot better next year. And if you do that and then keep him around and bring someone else in, I just don't like it. Like it's already, you know, we've already had to deal with that this year of, you know, Baker not being on the same page as, coaching staff and kind of shots being taken on both ends and that's just going to further you know damage the relationship so I, I don't see that happening I don't really see a scenario where they bring in another guy to compete with him I just don't think it would be the right move really for Baker or the Browns to do that I think if you're going to roll with him you roll with him and if you don't you let him go you move on completely Okay, well then I'll, I'll uh, based off that answer I guess I'll go with with, with uh, option three if you will you know, say, well, I'll throw out a few teams. Say the San Francisco 49ers call up and, and say, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo is available. Say the uh, Las Vegas Raiders call up and say Derek Carr is available. Say the Seattle Seahawks call up and Russell Wilson's available. Like, yeah, any of those guys, Deshaun Watson, you know, any of those guys, you know, do you see as being worth moving off of Baker for, you know, ultimately like cutting the cord? I think – Look, I, I think we take Deshaun Watson out of there just because I, you know, I just I don't see that happening, and I, I I wouldn't really be in favor of that if it did happen. But I think two names that you name there, and and Russell Wilson and Derek Carr are two guys that I would look at to, you know, kind of be an upgrade over Baker, and that I would consider moving on from Baker uh, for. Jimmy G is a little bit harder. I know that you can look at like the success that he's had in the playoffs, like, well, he's gone farther that year. He's gone farther that year. Like he's, he's had some playoff success and he's played well in games. So, but like his overall body work, I don't know. I, I think it's too similar to Baker to really, you know, kind of look at it and say like, that would make sense to do Derek Carr. Um, I think skill wise are, they're pretty similar. I, I like Derek Carr more from the standpoint of like, Look at the Raiders this year, man, and everything that went on with that team. You know, early on in the season, John Gruden gets fired. You know, he was, he, you know, racist emails, homophobic emails come up, like, and he loses his job. And this was a guy that was a, under a 10-year contract for that team. That happens. They get an interim coach in. The Henry Ruggs incident happens. Another incident happens with a player a couple weeks. Like, how, like, you ask yourself, how did this team make the playoffs? Like, what, Derek Carr was the leader of that team. Uh, Derek Carr was the guy that, in my eyes, kept that team together, kept that thing going, and was able to see the Raiders in the playoffs. And look, they played, played pretty well against the Bengals. That was a game they could have won. So I look at Derek Carr as the guy that held that all together. And then you look at the Browns situation this year, like what were they lacking all year that was leadership? They were lacking a guy that could keep the bunch together, keep everyone on the same page, keep everyone happy, and realize that there's one goal in common, and that's winning I think Derek Carr could come to the Browns and do that. So I consider him an upgrade in that sense. Uh, Russell Wilson, I, absolutely as well, more from the skill standpoint, but also leadership standpoint. I just think that would be an overall upgrade. But the problem is what's the price tag, right? And then, and then, and then what do you do with Baker at the end of that? Because you would have to get rid of him. Well, what, what are you going to trade him for? This guy was the number one overall pick. You know, you're not just going to give him away for nothing. So it, there's a lot of complicated things that would have to go down for one of those moves to happen but I would be in support of the Russell Wilson and Derek Carr moves. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly with you. I'll, I'll start with Jimmy G in the, in, in the playoff thing. Cause I, just because it's bothering me so much that people keep talking about this. Like this is the classic thing of like, 
a quarterback's playoff wins are just not a good stat. Like you have to take it. Like Jimmy G is now nine and zero in games he hasn't thrown the touchdown. Like Jimmy, no, like no, Jimmy G was not the reason the 49ers won against the Green Bay Packers. They didn't have an offensive touchdown. Like, and so, like, I am I am firmly in the camp that and brought this up that he is not an upgrade on, on Baker Mayfield. He has the same decision making issues with a great offensive coordinator and a fantastic offensive line, run game, weapons all over the place. Like Jimmy Garoppolo has has benefited greatly from his situation, and he may be slightly better than what Baker has been so far, but if you take into the account that Baker's you know, younger than Jimmy G at this point with some upside still left in him. To me, there, there, there's no upgrade there. Like I like wins alone from Jimmy G is just not going to convince me, uh, you know, that I, anything different from what I actually watched with my own two eyes against the Packers. Like never when Jimmy G dropped back in that game, was I super excited as somebody that had bet on the 49ers. I was like, please, dear God, don't throw an interception. And on the flip side, Derek Carr, you brought it up. Yeah. The Raiders didn't win a playoff game this year, but is that because of Derek Carr? No, I would say they were in the playoffs because of Derek Carr. And overall, throughout his career, he's been the opposite of Baker as far as you mentioned the up and down seasons Baker's had. Derek Carr is basically like the 11th to 14th best quarterback in the league every year. He's great in the clutch. He has 30 game winning drives since he came into the league in eight years. That's right at the top of the league in that time span. And to me, he is a meaningful upgrade. That, that would be worth pursuing. I don't think he's going to be available. I think the Raiders are going to stick with him. But there's there's always been a little bit of smoke there with the Raiders. It never seems the like Raiders great. The Raiders would be crazy to move on from him. Like, you see that? Yeah. Like, yeah. They, I'm glad you said that because, I, like I said, I would be in support of the move. But, like, I don't think that's going to happen, right? I just don't understand any – I don't see a scenario where it would make sense for the Raiders to move on from him. It just it, – it doesn't make any sense, right? Like – uh, you know, I know he hasn't won a playoff game, but like, you know, Jared Goff has won two playoff games. Like, do we really think Jared Goff is better than Derek Carr or, or for that matter, better than Baker Mayfield? Like, no, like it's just circumstances. I think Derek Carr it would be a worthy upgrade. Russell Wilson is a little trickier to me just for this reason only. And, and it's silly to talk about fit when you're talking about as good a player as Russell Wilson is. But he is not a good fit with what Kevin Stefanski does. He is notorious for hating to throw the ball across the middle of the field, right? Like he, and if you just think about Seattle's production, right? It's always to Metcalf to lock it deep down the field outside shots, right? They brought in Shane Waldron, who comes from the same, you know, tree of coaches, the, you know, the new school, McVay, Shanahan, whatever. And it was a disaster this year. He, he did not, he does not like to throw the ball over the middle. So it did not work with this offense. So, you know, could Kevin Stefanski adjust? Could Russell Wilson adjust? Sure. I'm, I'm positive that they could figure it out to a degree, but it is certainly not a seamless fit. And secondly, do I think Russell Wilson's going to be happy in Cleveland? No, not necessarily either. I, I would be shocked if that one happens as well. Uh, you know, it's the same thing with like, you know, people keep talking about Aaron Rodgers. Like Aaron Rodgers is not coming to Cleveland, folks. Like it's not happening. And I don't think Russell Wilson is either. Well, the, the other name that we have to discuss that I've seen, you know, some written things about in, in recent days is uh, the her cousins right um because i think we need to poo-poo that as well um uh i i guess you know it makes sense with you know the move that uh the uh vikings just made at gm obviously hiring basically who was you know kind of just breaking down for a second um uh Kwesi adolfo mensa basically was um andrew barry's right hand man in cleveland essentially he was his assistant gm they worked closely hand in hand together on basically everything they did 
So he goes to the Vikings now, and then now all of a sudden, you know, Kirk Cousins already kind of linked to the Browns for the Stefanski thing, and now one of the guys from the Browns front office goes there. And then, so I don't know if there's any smoke there or not, but I have seen that written the past couple of days of like, hey, maybe we can connect the dots here or something could get done. I would not be in support of that whatsoever because I think that kind of goes back to the Jimmy G thing of like too similar for it to make sense. And ultimately when I think of Kirk Cousins too, it's like, it's losing, right? Like I feel like every big game I've ever seen him play in, it's coming up short. So yeah, I, I not in support of that as well, but I thought uh, we should definitely mention that as well. Yeah. Just not a meaningful enough upgrade on, on, on Baker. Like is he better than what Baker gave the Browns this year? Absolutely. Like in stats wise, he's got, you know, some, some numbers in support of him, but you're just not going to convince me what what I watch, you know, based on that, that he's a top flight quarterback. He's not. And the Vikings don't trust him clearly in late game situations. He has not performed in late game situations. And you get that feel from the coaching staff. So, yeah, that, you know, nice that the Browns have that connection now with the Vikings. Uh, you know, get them a few comp picks here for the next couple of years. Glad to see, you know, that the Browns front office is being recognized for the great work they've done these last couple of years. But I don't want Kirk Cousins. It's just not a meaningful enough upgrade. Like we're going to give up assets to pay him $30 million or $35 million. I can't remember what his contract is, a, you know, a, to then be on the team. Like, no, I, a, we don't need it. And, and it's ridiculous. And I think you would have to re-sign him like after this year on top of yeah. that. So it's like, it just wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. I, Oh, you know, I, through all this discussion, you know, I, I always arrive at the same place, which is where, you know, I'm not super optimistic about it, but I'm, you know, don't mind that Baker is going to be the quarterback for next year. And I think that's just probably what's, you know, makes the most sense. And then when there's a better draft class and a better free agent class, you know, if he's not the the option, then it makes more sense to move on in 2023. Yeah, I'm more and more, you know, kind of as the days goes on, starting to come to that as well. You know, I, I've seen for a while, I, I just think like, hey, let's let this play out because, you know, things happen out of nowhere where a player becomes available that who, you know, who would have thought, um, I still think there's a chance of that happening, but the more and more I think about it, it's like, yeah, most thing that probably makes sense at the end of the day, the biggest, the less risky move, right. Would just be kind of staying put and for another year running the back, we'll see what happens because everything else you do would be a pretty big dice roll unless you're getting like an Aaron Rodgers, Right. And I don't think either of us really think that's a plausible thing to happen. No, I don't. And, and I know Andrew Barry, and Kevin Stefanski both value the quarterback position a ton in, in solving this. I just, if there was an option there that made sense to me, I would say it. I just don't, I, I, I don't think I see one that, that really makes any sense. So I, I, I do think they're going to roll with it and surround them with the best roster they can and, and go from there. So speaking of, of that roster, Jordan, uh, you know, Malik McDowell, we got the news, you know, of his arrest and, and you know, it, he will likely not be a Brown next year. There were already talks about the defensive tackle, you know, position and, and needing to upgrade there. There's receiver, you know, as well. There's, you know, defensive end with Tech McKinley gone. Jadavion Clowney's a free agent. How, how do you stack up the various needs that the Browns have as far as this team? Like, what do you see as kind of like, you know, need number one, two, and three, if you want to go that deep. Yeah, I, I think you have to start with wide receiver at one. Um, you know, I think that kind of became the thing of like, remember after the 2019 season, the consensus thing was like, you have to draft left tackle. Like you have to, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They go out and get Jedrick Wills. I think the year after that, the kind of, the, the whole thing was like, hey, you have to update, upgrade your secondary, right? You, you go out, you draft Greg Newsom, you make the signings in the secondary, the Troy Hills, the John Johnsons, all that. 
I think this year it's the consensus thing is wide receiver. Um, and I still just laugh about how crazy it is, how far we've came that like, um, you know, the beginning of the year, we're talking about like how deep the wide receiver room is and like, who's going to be the odd man out. Somebody has to get cut. This room is too talented. And then, you know, fast forward a couple months and we're sitting here like this is, that's the number one need on the team. But I think we're, you know, there's a, a world where Jarvis Landry isn't on this team next year. Um, and then you're kind of starting over. I don't, I don't think Higgins is going to be on this team. So you have DPJ, you have Schwartz. Um, who else do you have? I think you have to draft someone. Here's the tricky thing about wide receiver as well. Henry is like, I don't want to sign someone. Um, if you go through the wide receiver signings kind of in history there, you, you'll have to overpay for wide receivers. It happens every single off season. Think about Kenny Galladay, you know, and think about all these guys that you have to overpay for to get, it's because the wide receiver position is highly paid. I think if you're going to go wide receiver position, I think you have to do that in the draft. So I think that's where the Browns would look to go in the draft. Like I said, I don't want to see them try and go the free agent route for wide receiver because one, those signings rarely work out and two, you have to overpay for them. Uh, for the most part, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I think uh, th- that receiver has to be, you know, I-, I would have that as my number one need as well, just because, it, you know, they, they have no dynamic playmakers out there in Jarvis Landry, as you mentioned, he, you know, the odds he is on the team at his current contractor are, are very slim to none. So, you know, the, the only thing I would, the only thing draft wise, and it does feel like the momentum is fully like, Hey, we have to take one of these wide receivers in the first round. And I'm probably in that boat, but if, if a pass rusher fell to them that they liked this wide receiver draft is so good that if they waited until the second round, I wouldn't be mad, but like, it's gotta be one of those first two rounds, right? Like I, even if they sign somebody yeah. two receivers, I think, you know, on this team uh, going into next year. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you that I think edge rush has pass rusher is, is like that second thing that the Browns are going to look at in the draft. And look, I still think that there's a possibility that they bring Clowney back. Um, you know, I know. Oh, I firsthand and, and yeah. And like in talking with Andrew Barry, like they loved what Clowney brought to this team. Not only, you know, I think a lot of people talk about the on-field stuff, but he was great in the locker room this year. Like, he brought it every day, whether it be practice, a game. Um, so I think there's a real chance they look to bring him back. But I think if they do, it's not going to be, you know, a three-, four-year deal, you know, worth like $30 million, something like that. I think there's a possibility that he could get that elsewhere. And if he does, maybe he takes it. But I think if he comes back to the Browns, I think it's a one-year deal again type thing. And I'd be very here for that. But even if that's done and you bring Clowney back for a year or two more, I still think there's a high possibility that this front office looks at that edge rush kind of defensive line position because Clowney can be the upgrade guy or Clowney can be the guy to play alongside Miles Garrett for another year or two, but you still have to look past that. Uh, who's going to be the guy after that? And maybe you can develop a guy while you have Clowney still eating alongside Garrett now. Well, and, and Clowney was relatively healthy this year. Garrett also was relatively healthy this year. But, you know, the, the track record would, you know, indicate that Clowney's probably going to miss some games here going forward. The Browns lost Tack McKinley, clearly, and he won't be back next season. And just in general, you know, if these playoffs have taught us anything, it's, you know, the, the you know, number one important thing is the quarterback, right? But beyond that, you've got to have guys that get after the quarterback. Like, look at who the Browns are going to have to beat in the AFC. Like, Mahomes. Allen, even Lamar and Burrow in their own division. Like you've got to get after these guys with athletic players on the defensive line. Like you cannot have enough pass rushers on your team. And so to me, that's why I talk about the draft pick or whether it's signing, like whatever your resources are, especially though, you know, I always think of of draft in your first free agent signing. 
those got to go to the major positions, right? Corner, defensive end, quarterback, you know, offensive line, whatever those may be. And you look at it for the Browns, like defensive end is the one like glaring place where they could clearly use somebody out of those key positions. So I expect them to dedicate resources to that either in, in free agency or, or the draft. At least I hope so. If this team's going to be where I want them to next season. Yeah. And then kind of moving on from that, like I was thinking about this too, like all of a sudden, you know, with them, you know, you alluded to it earlier, a little bit of the, you know, the Malik McDowell news, first of all, tragic. And, and like, you hate to see those stories because uh-huh. man, he works, he works, Kenner, he works so hard to get back to where he was. Um, he was great in the locker room and great for this team and the front office loved everything. Then to just have a kind of end all in like one moment, it's, it's just sad. But at the same time, like, you know, I was at, at the end of this year, you know, I was kind of thinking like, Hey, we found something. Malik McDowell can be that defensive tackle moving forward. He was still young. He could be that guy for another three or four more years. And then he kind of have that ripped that ripped away from you. So it's kind of like, who is your defensive tackle going in the next year? The only two guys you can think of right now is Tommy Togiai and, and Jordan Elliott, you know, Andrew mm-hmm. Billings was, that, that was a wash this year. Um, so it, I don't know where you go in that position. I don't know if that's a draft position or a free agency position, probably both, but I think that all of a sudden became a glaring need as well. It is, but it, to me, that's like, pretty clearly the third need. And I'd almost say it's it's kind of there with yeah, uh, a, yeah. a right ta- almost like a right tackle or safety too, uh, just as like those other ancillary positions. And I say that, you know, clearly the Browns have, you know, like starters at safety, right? Like, they, you know, Jack Conklin's yeah. going to be the answer when he's healthy at right tackle. But defensive tackle is just not that important of a position overall. So, yeah, they, they likely need two players there. Like, you know, uh, you know, Elliot and Togi, I, a small sample size, you know, have shown flashes, but Malik Jackson, I doubt is on this team next year based on the way he played this season. And, and now with Alt McDowell, you know, he was probably the only guy who had penciled in as a starter, you know, at D tackle. So I do think they need two guys, but I don't think there's any chance to take one at the top of the draft. There aren't many D tackles that even, you know, are at this top of this draft. And I don't expect the Browns to be in the mix for those. I think they would wait take one in the middle rounds. And there's a bunch of free agent D tackles that are solid, fine players, like guys that they can absolutely just bring in for $5 million that hopefully will be better than the Andrew Billings, you know, types that they brought in last year. And that's what I was going to say. You could find yourself another Malik Jackson for a year, right? Like Mm -hmm. I I think like in, of course you'd want to, well, that's the (laughs) end. That's what I was going to say. You know, Malik Jackson, but a little bit better than Malik Jackson, no doubt. But I think those guys exist. I just think that that kind of overnight became something that the Browns knew they were probably going to have to address to some degree this offseason, but I don't think to the degree that they're going to have to address it now. Uh, one other position I want to talk about on offense, though, real quick, tight end room. Where are you at with this? Because I don't think that there's just kind of – not that I'm reporting it or anything, but I, I don't think that uh, Austin Hooper is going to be back for the team next year. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, the, the money that he's making right now for the production that you're getting, it just doesn't make sense. Um, I'd be in favor of bringing in Joku back. I think he's the most talented tight end in that room. I thought he had a pretty good year. I think he basically led the Browns in receiving this year. Um, so I would be in favor of bringing him back, but I don't think Hooper's back with his team. And then, you know, I guess Harrison Bryan will still be here, but you might want to add a third guy to that room as well if you're not going to bring Hooper back. Yeah, to me, you know, David Njoku is a, a very high priority free agent for this team. Maybe the only, you know, high priority free agent uh, on this team at this point. 
they, in, in my mind, they have to bring him back. And, and look, I was, I, I've been lower on David and Joku than, than I think many people have in before the year, I think was more critical of some of his previous play than most people. He's, he's, yeah, he's the answer. He's the only one in that room that is a consistent receiver and a blocker both. So to me, you've got to bring him back. And then, yeah, if Hooper, to me, Hooper is kind of like either way. Like if you bring him back, like, yeah, he's super overpaid. Uh, you know, the dead cap hit is more this year, you know, he, he, waiting till June 1st, I think you get a little bit shaved off of that, but okay. You know, whatever, if you bring him back, fine. If you cut him fine, I think you can use the the money you save by cutting him and bringing somebody pretty low level, I've been higher on Harrison Bryant than I know you have, but I think Harrison Bryant's fine as a second tight end. Like if they want to bring somebody else in, that's kind of like a second tight end with him that, you know, that's cool too, but that's just not a position I'm going to spend a lot of money on outside of David and Joker. They have to bring him back with the money. They got to work that out. They need him. Baker clearly likes him and he's really one of the only weapons that, that succeeded in this offense. Yeah, I agree with you. I would like to see him back. Uh, I like him as a red zone threat. I think he's a guy that can go up and get the ball. And he just has, he has, you know, the ability to have a game where out of nowhere he's seven catches, ninety yards, and two touchdowns. And and I don't think you can, you know, those guys just come and go. So yeah, I agree there. I think the one other thing too, Henry is, and I think you kind of alluded to it earlier, was like the, another maybe not necessarily right tackle but like interchangeable tackle in the sense mm-hmm. that like i think chris hubbard was one of the bigger misses or misses yeah, for the Browns that's the last thing. Year. it's like you know is if he's back and healthy it, does he just solve that problem maybe i don't know yeah po- possibly but i i just feel like a guy that you can have you can plug and play either tackle and say like hey we know maybe we're, maybe it's not going to be you know Jed Wills, or it's not going to be Jack Conklin out there, but Hey, we know we're not losing a lot. We can trust this guy. Know what he's going to give us. Cause at times this year, you know, it was James Hudson. It was Blake Hanson. It was guys that you didn't really know what you were going to get. And obviously that hurt us at times this year. Yeah. They just, they didn't have an answer, you know, with, with Hubbard on IR and with all the injuries they had to tackle. It was just a lot of bad tackle play when, you know, that was really their only weakness on the offensive line. So, yeah, I mean, those, those kind of things, again, I think you can find on the margins, but if they, you know, if it, and maybe they think James Hudson's the answer too. I mean, James Hudson, you know, had some some moments this year too and, and was a, a rookie as well. So again, it, it, that's a little bit, I think, more going to be based on the front office's uh, evaluation of their own players, which is something that we always forget. It's like, and that's the thing with defensive tackle too. Like maybe Tommy Tokia is ready to be a starter, but we saw him for so few snaps. Like there's no way we can make that judgment, right? Like it's got to come from the guys that saw him at practice and make that choice because based on what I've seen, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that, but maybe, maybe the front office is. Yeah. I and mean, I think like kind of other than that though, like, can you think of anything glaring? I mean, you're pretty much set in the secondary. Like we talked about, interestingly yeah. enough, I think you're kind of set at linebacker, which is crazy. Uh, My boy, Jacob in the past Phillips. Years. I yeah. like it. Jacob Phillips was one of the few bright spots the last couple of weeks. I loved him as a rookie. I know the, the staffs weren't great on him, but he's just got a ton of speed. And that's what I look for mm-hmm. in these linebackers these days is can you cover, you know, can you go side to side uh, on the field? And, and Jacob Phillips does that to me. And then of course, Joe okay. Yeah. Um, and I also think Anthony Walker had a solid year and I think Sione Takitaki had another solid year. So I, I yep. think you're kind of set there at that linebacker position, which is crazy because that was one of the glaring needs coming into last year so yeah you're set there and then d-line we talked about offensive line we talked about as well running backs are set wide receivers set so like 
that's kind of it with this team. There, there's a few spots that you got to upgrade. Um, a couple of them are have to be significant upgrades, but other- yeah, you know, receiver defensive. I mean, it's pretty clearly it. As you said, the needs are obvious. You just got to go get them. The good thing again, too, as you mentioned, you know, is the the draft pretty much and free agency pretty line up well with what the Browns need. I mean, edge rushers always, you know, a scarcity to some degree. And that's why those guys get so much money, but this is a deep, deep, deep receiver class is, you know, so many Browns fans that are Ohio state fans will know the two guys, you know, from there, but if you haven't seen them yet, you know, you'll get familiar with Drake London out of USC and Burks out of Arkansas and a couple other guys that are in this class as well, you know, where there's a lot of options for the Browns at receiver there. I know you said you didn't want to sign guys, but this is a, a bigger wide receiver class, at least. And I remember in, in recent years, as far as some of these guys that, that played really well, I'm mostly with you. Allen Robinson's a name that intrigues me a little bit. That's the only thing I would say, but uh, you know, uh, for the most part, I'm with you. It's just, you know, there, there's good, you know, there, there's plenty of D tackles in the free agency class as well. So I'm, I'm not too worried about this offseason in general. Like, I, I trust the Browns to have a plan of attack, and, and the players are there. It's just a question of which ones they end up with. Exactly. And, and I think, like, you know how I talked about, like, the glaring need in 2019 that was fixed, the glaring need in 2020 that was fixed. I, I, like, we've seen the Browns address the problems or the areas they need to fix and, and successfully do so. So knowing mm-hmm. that going in offseason, it, it gives me hope going into next year for sure. That's a great point that that the, the Browns have 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 done the obvious thing at, at times, but the but the right thing. I mean, they 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 went and got Jed Wills at left tackle and he's performed well. Like last year, they they upgraded at the necessary positions pretty well. So they've done a good job plugging the, the holes in, in this team for the most part. It's just, you know, the new holes continually pop up. That's the nature of the NFL. That's the nature of guys aging. That's the nature of guys you know, walking into agency. I'm sure some of that will come. I'm sure there'll be some surprises too. I know, you know, people have talked about, Hey, is JC Treader going to get cut for Nick Harris? I mean, maybe that all happens, but, but right now the, the beauty of not paying your quarterback, Jordan is the Browns have plenty of flexibility. They've got the cap space and I expect them to, to wield it with, with, with force this off season. Yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see how much they spend. Um, Knowing well, I think they that, have to pay a quarterback. Exactly. Like, that's the main thing. Um, I think that'll be super interesting and something to monitor as a Browns fans moving forward. Because I could see it both ways, right? Where, like, they just come out and splurge, like a Patriots-type offseason last year. Or I could see just, like, one or two, like, key moves that are kind of under the radar. So it, it'll certainly be interesting to see. Because, again, we don't have too much of a sample size on Andrew Barry at this point. Well, I think the the nature of the Brown situation also lends itself to what we saw with Clowney last year, uh, maybe at other positions, big one-year deals. The mercenaries. Yeah. For guys looking to rebuild their, their careers. Like maybe the market doesn't materialize for Allen Robinson at wide receiver, you know, after him having a down year this year. So he goes, okay, I'll take one year, you know, where, where Cleveland overpays me, but just one year I'll go there, hopefully rehab my value and get back on the market. Like I could see the Browns being a prime candidate for a bunch of those type of players, maybe even more so on the defensive side of the football, uh, you know, given the fact that they're probably going to be an advantageous situation. Like if you're a pass rusher trying to rebuild your value, like signing up to go next to Miles Garrett on the other side of the field is probably not the worst idea uh, out there. So that's what I could see them being this offseason. Yeah, absolutely. I could see a one-year deal of a veteran and maybe a safety and a one-year deal of veteran, maybe a couple on the defensive line. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. 
All right, Jordan, I think that's everything I have for, for this podcast, man. It was good to have you back on. We'll yeah. be talking more, uh, you know, free agency, more draft stuff as we get into it this year. A little bit of a longer offseason, unfortunately, than last year. But, uh, yeah, man, it was good talking to you. Yeah, man, it's good to be back, and uh, let's get this thing rolling again, man. I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm ready to go. I'm hungry. So uh, let's keep pumping these things out. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. And uh, also shout out to the Cavs uh, because they're doing yeah. too, and, and most of us Browns fans are Cavs fans out there too. So go Cavs. And uh, the other thing I will say down the podcast, as always, is go Browns. <laughs>